0: Welcome to the Humans and Earth podcast. We bring you inspiration and practical resources for healing our planet and ourselves. It's time for soulful contributions that regenerate life on Earth. I'm Shara Arman, a thought leader and teacher who believes we're ready to renew Earth and heal ourselves in the process. You can find our work online at humansandearth.com and on Instagram at SchoolHumansEarth. I'd love for you to be on our newsletter list and receive our updates on Instagram. Please share our work at the School for Humans and Earth with anyone you think might be interested and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast so that we can include more and more people in the regeneration revolution that I believe is happening on planet Earth. Welcome to today's episode. Hello, everyone. I'm here today to talk with you about green brain and red brain states and why eco-optimism is our wisest choice right now. There is no doubt that life on earth is complex right now. Whether you are alert to refugee crises, Signs of environmental damage and climate change, severe storms, health effects from air and water pollution, or social and political turmoil, you could make a list of a lot of things that worry you, scare you, or even lead you to feel despair. In regard to how things are going for Earth and all of us beings who rely on her for our survival, Our situation can seem very worrisome. Currently, there's a lot of talk about how generalized anxiety is common and an eco anxiety response in particular is also now common, almost a way of life, even normalized in spoken and written conversations. But I am asking you in this episode to consider whether the anxiety and eco-anxiety that have become normal for many are our best response to the crises we face. There's quite a bit of evidence that these are not optimal responses. What I want to share is how both neuroscience and the history of activism are showing us an alternative response that is more beneficial to us as individuals and far more effective for healing our world. It is true that it's unavoidable to sometimes worry or feel pain about our planetary problems. You can feel both scared and sad when you observe the damage humanity has wrought on Earth in recent centuries and when you're aware of the suffering that many humans worldwide continue to experience, along with the sufferings of animals and plants. But what we know from recent decades of neuroscientific research is that staying in the anxiety response creates a freeze state in our brains that shuts down the optimism and innovation needed to solve problems and crises. How many people do you know who bemoan social problems or proclaim their despair over environmental problems and their effects on people, animals and ecosystems yet make few or no contributions to solutions? Think about this for a moment, please, because I bet you know quite a few people who take this approach of worrying and complaining, yet appear to be mostly stuck in inaction. Maybe you are often or sometimes one of them. There's no need to feel guilty or ashamed because anxiety and eco-anxiety have been normalized in cultures around the world. What is important to know, however, is that anxiety holds us in fear and prevents healing action, and we have another choice available. In his book, Hardwiring Happiness, neuroscientist Rick Hansen describes the human brain's state of anxiety, stress, and pessimism as the activity of our reactive and more primitive red brain. He's referring to actual brain structures such as the limbic system. Conversely, Hansen explains, our green brain is our responsive and more evolved mode of confidently meeting challenges and enjoying life's pleasures without getting stuck in the stress response. When we are in a green brain state, Brain structures, such as our more evolved frontal lobe, are active. Notably, the green brain state is socially contagious in beneficial ways. Hansen explains that people who are feeling safe, open, and capable usually influence others around them to feel similarly. The red brain state, unfortunately, is socially contagious too, which explains why people who are feeling dread about environmental, social, or political problems can influence others in their circle to experience similar types of fear, often without an active response of contributing to solutions. This is certainly occurring in our news media, in the work of many writers, intellectuals, and influencers, and in conversations among colleagues and friends. People emphasize all that is going wrong on planet Earth, express their angst, and thus influence others to also get caught up in feeling bad, but not necessarily contributing to making things better. When we face problems that require wise action, the major danger of red brain is that it's a neurological and biochemical state that, in Hansen's words, sucks up resources that could have been used for pleasure and ease and for personal healing and growth. It makes us hunker down, muzzle self-expression, and dream smaller dreams. The problem with smaller dreams, of course, is that they don't lead to the kind of bold regenerative solutions that humanity and earth need right now. Please take a moment to absorb this because it's pivotally important for the future of human life on Earth. To simplify the neuroscientific evidence Hansen reports, worry, anxiety, and negative predictions usually cause you to freeze and shelter in place, whether you're sheltering emotionally or physically. The red brain state immobilizes you and shuts down your ability to respond creatively to problems. Green Brain, on the other hand, is the state of safety, calm, and optimism in which your brain is focused on seeking creative ways to design and implement solutions. You're in Red Brain when you read the news, feel despair, and either distract yourself from your pain or share that pain with others via social media or direct conversation. You're in green brain when you are aware of the world's problems, but equally or more aware of solutions that are already being implemented, and you're alert to how brave, creative, innovative, and caring humans have the capacity to be. I've studied human history for decades, and I find that Hansen's neuroscientific discussion of green brain and red brain makes perfect sense. I have observed that it's nearly always the case that humans accomplish our greatest acts from a foundation of inspiration, not fear. Our creativity arises from our hope, not our terror. It's our green brain state that leads us to be our most helpful, dynamic, brave, and effective suffragettes did not attain votes for women a century ago by sitting around and moaning about how unattainable equal rights appeared to be. I thus worry when I hear people around me weakly stating that we must solve climate change, switch to renewable energy, create social justice, or solve world hunger, but then in their next sentence voice their belief that we probably won't do it. Here's how significant contributions actually come about. I love the example of Dr. Wangari Maathai's Green Belt Movement in Kenya. Matai did not establish the Green Belt Movement out of an anxious assumption that reforesting her home country of Kenya and restoring its streams would be impossible. Quite the opposite She trained other Kenyan women to tend tree seedlings and plant them because she was acting from a green brain confidence that they could reforest their country while providing employment to rural women and restoring their water supply. Since 1977, the Greenbelt movement has planted over 51 million trees, And Matai won the Nobel Peace Prize for this work in 2004, the first African woman to receive it. I absolutely love the story of her life. She's written at least two books, and also her Nobel Peace Prize speech is available online. And I'm not suggesting that every one of us has to contribute on the scale that Wangari Matai did, but... Her life and work are a marvelous example of the choice to be in green brain rather than red brain. When Matai returned to Kenya and began her career as a zoologist at the University of Nairobi and then began traveling in rural Kenya once again where she had grown up and noticed the deforestation and the problems that this was causing not only for Kenya's rural people, but for the environment, she didn't despair. Or maybe she did briefly, but she carried herself out of that state. Her books, her life, her accomplishments are a most wonderful example of choosing to be in Green Brain. To take another example, 18-year-old Boyan Slat did not found the ocean cleanup project in 2013 because he assumed that removing plastic from our oceans would be impossible and stayed in the emotional upset of red brain just the opposite he moved from his teenaged worry about the trash-filled condition of earth's oceans into a green brain inspired determination that carried him through years of adjusting failed prototypes until his ship and net system achieved notable plastic cleanup success in the Pacific in 2021. Please note, Slot and his team needed almost 10 years of Green Brain optimism, focus, and perseverance before they succeeded. Green Brain doesn't necessarily create fast miracles, though it may. What it reliably does is create endurance and determination. Riding the swell of his green brain eco-inspiration, Boyan Slat and his team have recently also developed the Interceptor, a device that stops plastic in rivers from entering oceans in the first place. Matai's and Slatt's innovations are the type of response we need to our environmental and human crises. Dejection solves nothing. Wangari Maathai, Boyan Slat, and others whom we view as innovators of solutions are acting from the green brain state. And please note, I could talk for hours about people who have accomplished these beautiful healing changes on the local level. Wangari Maathai and Boyan Slat have acted at the global level, which is very laudable, very admirable. but. I bet you already know of others who have made their contributions on a more local basis, and those contributions are arguably just as valid. Hansen's concept of green brain is poignantly appropriate for those of us who are concerned about helping Earth, her systems, and human well-being heal and regenerate green brain is not only the brain state that leads to happiness fulfillment and thriving for an individual you me it's also the state of calm creative response to the world that can enable us to look at the environmental devastation we're currently experiencing and firmly decide to change it we also can call this eco inspiration the alternative to eco-anxiety. And I have an ebook on the Humans and Earth website that takes you a little bit further into exploring eco-inspiration. It may be fashionable to moan and complain in red brain and talk about our dystopian future, but I challenge you to realize that this is one of the most irresponsible choices you could make as a human being. We are designed to respond creatively to our world, not sit frozen in despair. And I challenge the creators of images of dystopian futures, whether they are artists or filmmakers, graphic novelists, novelists, or essayists, anybody who is putting forth a dystopian image of our future, I challenge them. To study Hansen's work and other current neuroscientific discussions, I challenge them to study the history of human change and activism and ask themselves if what they are putting forth in portraying dystopian future is perhaps doing a grave injustice to who humans are meant to be and what our capacities are. And if you are someone who enjoys dystopian portrayals of the present or the future, I really strongly encourage you to question whether, in engaging with them, you are using your human creative energy in a wise way. If you want to live in a world that doesn't present you with cause after cause for eco-anxiety or political or social anxiety... Know that some of our cultures and your brain's tendencies are not leading you toward constructive solutions. People around you who are in the red brain of fear and pessimism may not encourage you toward a creative contribution to changing how we generate energy, how we produce and dispose of waste, how we clean up environmental contamination or how we create economies and social systems that are regenerative, just, and inclusive rather than degenerative and exclusionary. But you can make the choice to live more often in your green brain in an eco-inspiration state and influence others toward the same. If you want to suffer less and help a lot more, learn to curate your green brain. It's a process of choice. We're learning more and more through the neuroscience, particularly of the last 20 years, that what goes on in our thoughts and emotions has way more to do with what we're choosing than we previously understood. We're learning that you actually can choose your emotional state. You can choose and curate your thoughts. One thing you can do is read news stories that report on the good things that are happening as we try to heal our planet and human society. I like the Optimist Daily and the Solutions Journalism Network and the Good News Network. You can read books that are leading us beyond despair and into innovation. I appreciate Transition Towns founder Rob Hopkins' book, From What Is to What If, Climate negotiators Cristiana Figueres' and Tom Rivet Karnak's book, The Future We Choose, which is actually a gorgeous example of the use of red brain and green brain. Ecologist Stephen Harding's Animate Earth, Paul Hawkins' books, Drawdown and Regeneration, and Native American botanist Robin Wall Kimmerer's Braiding Sweetgrass, and there are many others. You can also look inside yourself and identify what you love about Earth and humanity and let that love become an inner fire of inspiration that helps you to return to green brain as needed. Then choose at least one way to contribute to regeneration for people and planet in your personal life. You might invest in renewable energy for your home or vehicle support regenerative agriculture by simply purchasing from local organic or regenerative farms. You might compost, buy organic or pre-owned clothing, contribute to an endeavor that helps children or any population gain the benefits of spending time outdoors, or you could make one of literally dozens of other sustainable or regenerative or justice-oriented changes. You might choose at least one way to contribute to Earth's and humanity's regeneration also in your workplace or community. You could help with community gardens that manage stormwater while also feeding people. You might plant trees and shrubs as green infrastructure that benefit air and water quality and bird and insect habitat while moderating temperatures. Maybe you'll join a transition town or permaculture initiative that helps your community move towards sustainability and social justice in its built environment and social and political structures. Read Paul Hawkins books, Drawdown and Regeneration for further specific ideas. A shadow side of what we're experiencing on earth right now is that the anxiety and eco anxiety that have become pervasive not only harm your well being, but they also hinder you from contributing to making things better here? But on the lighter side, neuroscience and the history of activism show that being in green brain and choosing eco inspiration both benefit your own well being and promote your engagement with the revitalization that our world needs. As Wangari Matai stated in her book, Replenishing the Earth, in the process of helping the earth to heal, we help ourselves. Choose to cultivate your green brain state to benefit both yourself and life on earth. You'll feel better and you'll do better. If you need to, reach out to me for one-on-one coaching or take my collaboration with Earth Course, We are here to restore ourselves and our planet. Doing so is within our reach. You don't have to be a savior, but I believe you are meant to be a contributor. Living as much as possible in green brain allows you to be someone who assists with regeneration for people and planet, rather than someone who holds us back. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Humans and Earth. Please share this episode to broaden engagement in the regeneration our world needs. You'll find social media links in the show notes. To explore our other offerings, visit www.humansandearth.com.